1: Blue
0: wire. what
2: is up Nets fans welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz I'm Nick Faye with me as always Jack Manuel and Jack we're talking about the NBA trade deadline and also recapping the Nets loss to the Utah Jazz how are we feeling tonight
3: though Jack I'm gonna have to come up with a song for Alizai Johnson Nick
2: Yeah, uh, obviously, Johnson put on a show, 10-day contract, trying to earn himself a spot in the NBA, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. But as always, you can find the Brooklyn Buzz on all streaming platforms, including otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. But Jack, where do we start with the NBA trade deadline? Spencer Dillardy?
3: Yeah, let's Spencer Dinwiddie, Nick, because it seems to me that it's a fait accompli that yep. Spencer Dinwiddie has played his last game as a Brooklyn Net, and there are plenty of teams interested in him. What teams have you seen rumored around the Spencer Dinwiddie sweepstakes?
2: Yeah, we've heard uh, Detroit, the team that drafted him, the Miami Heat, the Toronto Raptors, and most recently the Charlotte Hornets. And obviously Spencer Dinwiddie is a guy that could end up being a steal for one of these teams if he's willing to sign an extension or a long-term contract, because as we know, a player option for next season, which will likely decline because he's looking for that payday. But I also think he's looking for an opportunity to really be a star.
3: And he's proven that he can be a yep. star within his role. He's been a fringe all star for the Brooklyn Nets, one of our best performers since we've you know the inception of this podcast. What he's, yep. you know, and, and a credit, a heap of credit goes to the Iron Man himself for what he's turned himself into. And you know we're always going to have a, a lot of love for Spencer Dinwiddie. But Nick, what team do you think is most likely that does get? The, the bird rights, and I guess the the opportunity to sign Spencer the long-term. What do you think he fits the best? And what do you think is most likely, I guess, in all of this? You know, we've heard a lot uh, of, of some of those teams. Uh, could there be another team waiting in the wings like a Chicago Bulls, maybe another former team uh, for Spencer Dinwiddie? Yeah.
2: yeah, Jack. I mean, those teams that we mentioned don't really necessarily make sense at this time because we heard the rumblings of maybe Spencer Dinwiddie for Norman Powell. But now it seems like Norman Powell's trade market is really heated up to the point where the Raptors may end up getting a first round pick for him on a rental. So the Nets are going to kind of get into a bidding war with them. And then the Miami Heat, we know what they have to offer. Kendrick Nunn, Avery Bradley, and Mo Harkless. Not necessarily the most exciting thing for Spencer Dewitty. You might rather have some buyout guys in the rotation over those players who haven't necessarily played really well this season. Detroit, you know, if you've heard the rumblings of maybe Spencer Dewitty for Mason Plumley, I'm not sure that necessarily makes a ton of sense for the Nets either. And um what was the Hornets, that was the most recent rumor. I haven't necessarily thought a lot about it. The only thing I could really think of would maybe be Devontae Graham, but still. That wouldn't necessarily make sense with the Lamello ball injury. And you would think Charlotte wants to be in the postseason this year, or at least a playing game.
3: Yeah, maybe a Cody Zeller. I think that money yeah. sort of matches up. And look, I think Cody Zeller is a, a serviceable dude and it sort of fits that need as a, a backup and slash fringe starting center. I think he'd be okay. But again, we, we we value Spencer so highly here, and obviously his injury, you know, there, there's been a lot of Instagram posts from him. He's sort of feeding the fuel, uh, putting the, the, the fuel to the flames, as he loves to do uh, on Twitter the last couple of days as well. It's going to be interesting to see how it does all pan out, Nick, because... In, in all honesty, I actually do think that there could be a team that we're not even talking about, and there could be a three or four deal, com- three or four team deal combination that we do get from Warriors or Shams in the coming days. But ultimately, as long as the Nets are getting rotation players. And that's all we need we don't yep. need sort of further fringe guys you know Avery Bradley and, and Mo Harkless both fringe rotation guys maybe within the net system because they provide uh, a skill that the Nets do need so much in defense they would be you know decent rotation you, know, you obviously take out a TLC they're certainly not taking mm-hmm. Alizé Johnson's spot that's for sure Nick. Uh, but in saying that the Nets need rotation dudes and whether it's a, a big whether it's a wing whether it's any just form of rotation player the Nets need quality and Spencer Dimity would have certainly provide that quality if he was healthy, but now we need to replace it with a guy that is healthy, or with guys that are healthy, because the Nets need bodies, and, and we want healthy quality, productive bodies at the end of the day
2: Yeah, and you want to have the best opportunity to win a championship, and that's what we talked about in the past with the Blake Griffin signing. It's an opportunity to continue to improve the talent on this team and kind of cross all your I's and dot all your T's, or I said that backwards. (laughs) It is uh, 1244 here, so I'm a little tired. But uh, going back to that, Jack, I also think, like you said, there could be a random team that gets involved, or it could be something where, hey, maybe it's part of the Kyle Lowry trade. You know what I mean? We know there's going to be multiple parts there. Toronto has had interest. It's a $10 million contract or $11 million contract within that range. You can kind of get some pieces moving and that could lead to something different. Or, you know, there's always that player that no one expects to be traded that's moved in the deadline. That could be part of a bigger deal. And like you said, there could be a mystery team that just kind of jumps into the mix for some reason in my head, like San Antonio makes sense. I know they have a ton of guards over there, but we know the connection to San Antonio for Spencer, and I think he would consider resigning there if he was given a great opportunity.
3: Yeah, there's a part of me thinks that there is a West team that is likely to get involved because you know, if it is, a uh, yeah, Dallas are possibly as well. They've been, they've been linked in the past. And obviously, they might have grander plans this season, but for the future, Spencer Dimity is almost like that, that facsimile for DeLon Wright, what he used to be there. It's an upgrade over like a Jalen Brunson uh, for them. And, and going forward, he still fits the sort of age and, and time profile of Chris Stapps and Luke. I think they can be, you know, they can build something there under Spencer Dimwitty because we know, and we have full faith that. As Spencer did when he stands here at the Brooklyn Buzz, he's going to get back to his his best. There's no doubt about that. But yeah, I'm intrigued to see Nick because you know there's a part of me that's still hoping that you know maybe a Thaddeus Sung's in there or maybe an Aaron Gordon's in there, some sort of uh, combination of a deal. Don't think it's necessarily going to happen because those guys would provide real quality for this team. Um, and obviously, those guys have been linked elsewhere. Or in Thaddeus Sung's case, I think he's providing a lot of value to the Bulls organization currently. With uh, Clavine, uh, absolutely loves him so. I don't know what is going to pan out, Nick, but I'm, I'm sure there's going to be some semblance of a surprise. Uh, but at the end of the day, there are other guys that are rumored on the market as well. A lot of them are buyout dudes, a guy that we've spoken about quite consistently. And in our massive sort of trade and, and deadline and, and pre-season sort of up, we mentioned JJ Reddick. And, and we sort of thought that he would become a Brooklyn Nets at some point in his career. Didn't yeah. know necessarily would happen this season, but it seems almost fait accompli, to use the, the same terminology again. That JJ's hitting home.
2: Yeah, and obviously we kind of mentioned the idea of maybe him signing in the offseason, but given New Orleans having such a bad season, he's going to end up being a buyout candidate, and he could really be a nice piece for the Nets. And also, you know, if you know that he's coming, you might look into possibly moving a guy like Landry Schammett. Not to say I would definitely do that, but if there's something on the table where maybe it's a combination of Spencer and Schammett in and TLC or something, now you're moving up the contracts a little bit, and there's a chance you could get a decent player.
3: Yeah, I think, obviously, it just... All the pieces, uh, the, the clues just fit together perfectly. Yep. Obviously, former teammates in Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan. Obviously, he does reside uh, in Brooklyn in the offseason. Um, his family have expressed desires for him to remain there. He's been yep. linked to the Brooklyn Nets in the past. I know his wife wants him to play there. He's uh, getting to the pointy end of his career. And, you know, JJ's also mentioned that the biggest goal for him is to get a chip. And he's yep. much more likely to get a chip in Brooklyn than he is in New Orleans anytime soon, despite the fact that that team does have a pretty damn bright right future, so I think it's all going to pan out, and I also do think that the relationship between Sam Van Gundy and JJ Redick is going to make it somewhat amicable for whatever does happen, Um, and obviously a a buyout seems likely, there are other other buyout guys that the Nets are are linked to, but What can J.J. Reddick provide this team, Nick? You sort of alluded to that I guess it's an overload and an abundance of shooting. If you keep Landry Schoen and you've obviously got Joe Harris, the best shooter since 2017-18, and you also add J.J. Reddick, one of the best shooters uh, in in recent years. Is it just pure shooting and there's just like, shoot, 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 don't stop shooting your shot, as the, the saying goes?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a chance he's not in the rotation, especially if you keep Shamit and then you just have that option on nights like tonight where you're missing players. Hey, we're going to put JJ Redick in, hit some big shots for him. He's also a veteran. And like you said, Jack, there's a real desire to win a championship. And I think that's a guy that you want in your team, especially in a postseason stretch, because he's the type of player that could play three minutes and hit three threes and change the dynamic of an entire game. So, I mean, to have him as a guy that you don't necessarily even need in the rotation, but just have on that back end to kind of pull out and emergencies that could be huge or similar to what we saw when uh, kyle Korver was in cleveland he didn't necessarily play a lot of minutes but he'd come in the game and he put a lot of pressure on the defense and he'd occasionally hit a couple threes
3: I also do think, you know, he's an incredible free throw shooter like Colin Corver is as well. Yep. And you know, he, maybe he's still got a little bit of bounce, a little bit of energy there driving and, and, and forcing and penetrating towards the rim. I also do think off the court Nick, I think JJ Reddick, he, he's his personality and he's you know, uh, bring the bring the old man in the three podcast to, to Brooklyn as well. It um, really helped his
2: podcast with the signing. I mean, he's already got Kevin Durant, I think, on there, right? So it'd be like just he'd have the entire team of options
3: yeah I mean maybe we could do a crossover pod the old man <laughs> and the Brooklyn buzz who, uh, we'll see how that one sort of pans out but I do think you know personality wise we we've sort of we rave about the chemistry of this team and I think JJ just fits in seamlessly that dude just seems like a lot of fun incredibly intelligent dude and I also do think that like he would have a big impact on the, the, the guys in this rotation there are things that JJ Reddick would know that Joe Harris probably doesn't yep. know uh, in terms of moving and catching and, and, and shooting on, on the run you know and shooting off movement I think that he could impart some wisdom there and maybe make Joe Harris, even better. I'm no, I'm, I can't even believe I'm saying it, but actually make the man himself, the goat himself, even better, and also have the impact on, on Landry Shaman as well. If yep. we were to retain him, too, you know, help him just to maintain those those habits, uh, the consistency. We know how much JJ Reddick is a, a creature of repetition, uh, a creature of, of building those behaviors, those habits, and as a shooter, you just have to be sort of like that as well. Yep. So, I think JJ Redick adds a lot as a buyout guy, he'd be. Uh, On many a team's list, if you're the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, JJ Redick would almost be a, a greater need for them. He's almost not even a need for the Brooklyn Nets, but I think adding him just does still add something to this team on and off the court
2: yeah it definitely gives you the option like you said from a leadership perspective that's really great too obviously the biggest flaw with JJ at this point as you mentioned he's a little bit older and his defense was never great and that's definitely taken some steps back so it would be hard to have him on the floor for extended periods of time especially in a postseason setting but again he could give you that little offensive boost
3: definitely definitely now Nick out of the big men that are available on this market, who intrigues you the most? Andre Drummond, Lamarcus Aldridge, Gorky James, and even Hassan Whiteside. A couple of names there that provide differing skill sets uh, to the position that they do play. If you had your pick of the bunch, who are you taking out of those big men?
2: Yeah, I don't particularly love, you know, well, any of them necessarily as a fit, I think Andre Drummond you'd go with just for the talent and the rebounding. Lamarcus Aldridge watching him over the last year He just looks washed. He looks very slow. Gorgie Dang, I think, you know, there's a reason that he's being bought up by Memphis. You know what I mean? It's not like we're talking about a guy who's on a a great team. And Hassan Whitesides just kind of been that stat-padding defensive center. And he's not going to work in a switching scheme in Brooklyn.
3: No, I, look, it's a, and I, you add in a, a JaVel McGee as well, but I will mention that there are actually been trade rumors linked to him, so we'll yep. touch on him in a little bit. I so, like him add,
2: the best, probably, out of all of them in terms of fit. Obviously, Andre Drummond is the most
3: talented. I will, I will probably agree with you, but make a case for Gorgie Jane because. I've sort of been on the Dwayne Dedman bandwagon, similar to the Kias Duncan uh, of the Dunker spot, just in purely based off the skill set, because Gorgie Jang does provide you a, a spacing threat, and fits offensively in a way that a lot of those other guys don't. Andre Drummond is obviously a low-post presence, a rebounding monster. LaMarcus Aldridge, also a low-post threat. Dom has extended his game a little bit. Hassan Whiteside, I don't like the fit of at all. I don't think he gives you anything. I think he's a worse version of DeAndre Jordan, <laughs> and we don't need another player as Get angry, get angry at, and another player for Nick to have to try and think of reasons to find positives about, like he did on the last episode. So, in, in saying that for me, I do like Augie Jane, because I, I think there's something still there. I just don't think he fits the, the age bracket and the timeline uh, of what the Memphis Grizzlies are doing right now, because Jonas Valanciunas is, is awesome. They've got all these young bigs and Brandon Clark, Xavier Tillman. I think Augie Jane could give us a little bit of something. Uh, obviously, these guys are, are buyer candidates for a reason, because of their weaknesses rather than their strengths. But McGee. if the Nets were to uh, somehow get him in the buyout, as a buyout would be absolutely perfect because he you can probably trust him the most as a starter maybe Andre Drummond a little bit but I think JaVale McGee in a honed in a uh, tailored role JaVel McGee's been doing that for seasons and seasons on end and I saw Matt Brooks post a, a nice little stat about his at-rim defensive percentages is pretty don- goddamn solid he's a especially big body he is, and especially in comparison uh, to the player that we currently have uh, in DeAndre Jordan. His out-rim percentage is uh, pretty goddamn poor. And he's been like a point guard right, right now. we have seen the highlights of him shooting threes and running the floor. Obviously, that's not going to be happening uh, as a Brooklyn net, but Cheval McGee just seem, does seem to make a lot of sense there.
0: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.
2: Yeah, he really does, and he gives you that kind of backup option for DeAndre, or like you said, Jack, he could end up being the starter because he kind of just fits that role, and... You know, it just makes sense, too, in this extent of he has playoff experience. He's won championships with the Warriors. And, you know, a lot of these other guys don't necessarily have that experience. That's why I'd be a little bit nervous about a guy like Gorgie Dang, just because he doesn't necessarily have those playoff reps. Hassan Whiteside has a little bit. LaMarcus Aldridge, like I mentioned, has some, but he's definitely looking a little bit washed. That's why JaVel McGee kind of sticks out of like, hey, he understands what he needs to do. And I think he'd understand if he had a sit out an entire series like he did last year for the Lakers against the Rockets.
3: Do you think Javale McGee is the best defensive option out of these guys, Nick?
2: Yeah, right. I mean, I can't think of who's
3: better. <laughs> I mean, it's it's like picking between like me as a defensive player, or all, you know, it, 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 it's not a, It's like playing Chris Chiosa at the five. It's not like these guys are going to give you a heap. I think that, like, the argument can be made for an Andre Drummond, and just to play devil's advocate for the sake of it, because... Talent. When, look, and I know other people have made jokes about you know Andre Drummond in terms of what he does give you as a vertical threat and all these different sort of things, but he is the youngest of these guys. So age mm-hmm. is on his side. And is it is it a similar sort of thing that we see with Blake Griffin in terms of you know a re-engage and you get those reps up and you get the conditioning up, and maybe we see a spring inversion of Andre Drummond. We see him get those blocks. We see him get those 20 rebound nights uh, and, and having a big impact on the floor for the Brooklyn Nets. I think there is a world where it can happen. Um, Again, this is me trying to find things in maybe a a slightly better fashion than what you did last time with DeAndre Jordan. But I do think that there is a world... And there is a reason why the Lakers are probably after him so much. And part of it is because of uh, his LA lifestyle and the fact that he is residing there right now. But Andre Drummond is probably maybe number two or three on this list.
2: Yeah, I think JaVale McGee is the safest fit and the safest pickup where Andre Drummond gives you the higher ceiling. There's probably the lower floor because we've seen some sporadic play from him. But like you mentioned, Jack, the talent's there. He's pretty young. He's shown, you know flashes of being in a pretty good defender at times but then there's also just kind of like the gambles and the the lack of effort and the hustle and like you think maybe in a situation with a James Harden and a Kevin Durant and a Kyrie Irving and a Blake Griffin that like they could get the best out of him but you never really know
3: yeah and I I think it's it's gonna be intriguing to see how it does all pan out and Obviously, there are ties. The Knicks to- could end up
2: trading for him. I don't know if you saw that, Jack. I know you've been, you know, working a little bit. Then the Knicks got into the trade rumors, and they emerged as a team that possibly could make the move. And then the Lakers and Nets, neither of them get them. And then there's also been a little bit of rumbling about the Clippers getting in the mix.
3: Yeah, look, let those teams give up assets to acquire an Andre Drummond, yep. who I don't think even, you know, obviously the Cleveland Cavaliers got him for nothing. Second and they, the <laughs> second round for sort the of pick, and everyone's like, man, Andre Drummond is really like worth only that. And it's sort of like a, an OKC Sam Pressy sort of situation, which is like, we want something similar to what happened with, with the Trevor Ariza trade yep. with Miami. So maybe that's what Kobe Altman and the front office there are holding out for cool, good for them, you know, get the assets, do your thing when it comes to team building. It's You can never have too many picks to cover in some sort of package going forward. But I think the Nets would just be better to wait out Whoever is out there on the buyout market out of these sort of big guys, because look, the difference between Andre Drummond and Hassan Whiteside, who I think is the lowest guy on this list, um, isn't necessarily that great. The difference between Javale McGee and Whiteside, I think, is a little bit of a, a greater margin. Not just because of individual skill set, but like all the things you said, Nick. You know, he just gives you a steadiness. That a lot of these other players don't necessarily give you. You can sort of go out of Javale McGee, 15 minutes of, of just solid, you know, starter minutes or, or fringe starter minutes or backup minutes. Yeah, I can probably give you that, and I think it does allow us. You know, gives us you know the rotation, the depth in the rotation where we sort of need it because you know, you've got Blake Griffin who I. Don't think is necessarily a five. I think it would also allow us to rest Jeff Green a little bit because that dude has just been playing so much basketball yep. for us right now. And I think just any big man that we can just go, okay, give us fifteen minutes, so Jeff Green can play twenty-five minutes rather than thirty-five minutes tonight.
2: Yeah, or even in the situation in, in you know the postseason, you know DeAndre gets four fouls in the first half, and you need to throw somebody at ass- else at Joel Embiid you know what I mean you're not going to really try Blake Griffin Nick Claxton doesn't have the body to do that and like you said we don't want to try to you know outwork uh, Jeff Green anymore so McGee would give you another body to throw out some of these bigger teams and also give you an option of DeAndre's not playing well
3: postseason wise Nicholas out of all of those dudes, do you have the most confidence in Javel McGee playing some symbols of postseason minutes against the Milwaukee Bucks, against a Joel Embiid in the Sixers, or do none of them make a difference? And it's ultimately going to be maybe DJ, maybe Klax, maybe center by committee. Um, obviously, we know the vendetta drill and Embiid holds against Andre Drummond, so maybe we just want to stay away from Andre Drummond yep. completely, or maybe there is a, a revenge factor that we get from uh, on, on Drummond in, in that sort of respect. I don't know. What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it would come down to competition between whatever center they sign and DeAndre Jordan. Like, they'd have an opportunity to outplay him and earn those minutes in the postseason, and I think that's really what it would come down to. And, you know, unless DeAndre could turn it around, I'd have some good confidence in whatever center they sign that maybe they could steal those minutes. But, again, I think it's still going to be center by committee because now the Nets have different options they can play at the 5. You know, even though Blake Griffin I don't think is a starting 5, I think you can get away with him being a backup 5. Same thing with Nick Claxton because he doesn't necessarily have the body but he could be a closing five too
3: definitely you just rather have you know the, the depth there at a position which will certainly matter and obviously it'll matter again if the uh anthony davis uh, happens to be healthy come postseason time and the nets uh, happen to do make happen to make the finals um obviously you, you know, on anthony
2: davis i don't even know what nets twitter will do
3: oh man that'd be absolutely insane and, and even if it's a Jokic, because you know the are yep. obviously doing their thing you know there's a lot of great bigs in this league right now and um the, the nets are going to need some quality there and hopefully they can add to it it's seems likely that they will. The name, we'll have to wait and see. Maybe by the time you guys listen to this podcast, and um, we'll have some sort of confirmation in relation to that. But Nick, out of the other names that have sort of been rumored there, I wanted to sort of hark back to that Norman Powell rumor that you've sort of been talking about. Is that the ideal situation, the ideal play out that would fit perfectly on this Brooklyn Nets team?
2: I think, I don't know if it's the ideal fit and player in terms of skill set, but given the talent and the situation he's in, because he's going to be an expiring contract and most likely the Nets aren't going to resign him. And obviously they're not going to resign uh, Spencer Dimity as well. So it'd be an opportunity to get a really talented player who has had postseason success with Toronto in the past. Like he's had some really big games for them, especially on their final run. So I would be very happy if Norman Powell was the player they landed.
3: Oh, man, Norman Powell has been maybe the Toronto Raptors' best player in a large chunk of their season. Yeah. Obviously, Fred Van has been incredible. And look, I think the Kyle Lowry situation could dictate what happens with Norman Powell as well. Maybe there's some sort of package. And I'm, I'm just, I don't know, I'm just smelling some sort of three or four-team deal. Like, yep. we saw last year, I think, where it was like with Robert Covington, Clint Capella, and whatever the, yeah. else the other teams and players happened. What was now, that, I think
2: Denver, Minnesota, Houston, and Atlanta?
3: Dude, you got a better memory than me. Thank God for the outlet. I've listened to that episode. Um, you know, from last year, JBT, we don't really pay attention to that stuff. We're too busy talking about goddamn sandwiches or something. But in, in saying that, I think that there is obviously a, a wing. Just a wing, Nick, I think yep. is something that the next... And look, I, I'm making jokes about Alize Johnson, and, and I do like what that kid does have, and I think he does deserve another 10 days just to see what he can bring going forward but you know whether it's an auto porter whether it's a Mohawkless whether it, it, it's something the Nets need something there I think in, in, to me for me to be fully confident because TLC again tonight we'll probably touch on the game a little bit later he's not going to cut it obviously we saw and we and we sung his praises uh, previously but, but the Nets need just bodies there and we've got a lot of bodies at the centre spot so I think if Sean Marks you know had his ideal pick and he was just like okay what quality or what type of play do I want right now I want a wing I want a small forward or- I don't- Auto <laughs> Porter, you know, I, I, look, he probably wants to auto uh, offer Auto Porter the max again. Um, <laughs> it it, it, it would be to funny complete the cycle. Complete the cycle. It'd be you know Thanos style, adding the the final sort of stone to it. I don't know what stone Auto Porter would be, some sort of stone. um it, But you probably know more than me. But yeah, look, Auto Porter is a name that I would absolutely love, and I think would be an ideal fit. I think he is just a, a sort of role player that I think would fit perfectly in the net system, is a, is a solid, strong body that can play that wing position, go up against you, LeBron James, and give you some sparingly, um, some sparing minutes against the other quality wings in the league if the Clippers were uh, to yeah. be there in the regular and or postseason too. Um, and look, Mo Harkless can give you that. Funnily enough, he was a name that I think you and I clamored for a lot more in the, in the preseason, in the season, because of the the idea of Mo Harkless being greater than the results of Mo Harkless. And the result of Mo Harkless this season has been pretty poor. And maybe he gets a, a, a new opportunity, a change of environment would reinvigorate him. Though we do also know there is a, a frosty history with him and Jacques Vaughn due to their days in Orlando. I, I just think that there has to be a wing that has to be a big. And ultimately, would you prefer a wing over a big, Nick, if you just had your ideal pick?
2: yeah i think so i think you feel a little bit more comfortable with blake griffin being there and obviously i think reggie perry is okay and also like I think at some point you could sign a center later in the season too. If you got to a point where you're like, eh, you know what, maybe we need to add another big in this situation where there always kind of be a guy around, but at the end of the day, they do have DeAndre Jordan, they do have Nick Clax, and they do have Jeff Green, they do have Blake Griffin, and then even Kevin Durant plays in five, and obviously super small, Bruce Brown at the five. I would like to have another body for a Joel Embiid, but it's more likely you'd need another wing, because like you mentioned, going against a Kawhi and a Paul George or a LeBron James, you know, all these different guys. Even going against a team like Milwaukee, you have to worry about Giannis, but you also have to worry about Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday.
3: Definitely. Is this Nick? It seems rare that we see buyout candidates truly make an impact uh, on their teams, whether it's in the regular season or the postseason. The name that does spring to mind in recent history was Markeith Morris a a buyout? I believe so. Yeah, yep. So he's the name that sticks out to me, a guy that you know I I think had a real impact for, for their champion during their championship run. Now, the Nets would, would love to have a Markeith Morris or a Markeith Morris type, whether it's an Otto Porter, a Mo Harkless, whoever else. Do you think that that trend continues and the Brooklyn Nets can land a guy that will actually contribute in the postseason for them?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a chance, Jack. I think a couple years ago, we saw Marco Bellinelli in uh, Irsan Eliasova sign with the Sixers. That what?
3: Eliasova, Nick? I, there's an hour to start. He's, you he's
2: it. actually on Utah.
3: Oh, and there he we go. signed
2: him, yeah. yeah. we He ended not. up playing tonight for a few minutes, so... <laughs> He's a Nets killer as well. So you're suddenly silver getting some uh, some time on the podcast. But again, Jack, you know, I mean, it's, it's tough to say. We'll see kind of what happens with the different signings. And I think you could go either way with, you know, either a wing or a center. And just it's hard to say who's out there and what they're going to do and what type of – impact they're going to have and how many minutes they're going to have in the rotation. I feel like, to be honest, like you can make an argument that maybe Blake Griffin would be the biggest buyout guy that the Nets got just based off his recent play and the talent that he does have.
3: I was literally going to mention that. I'm like, well, the Nets have already got one buyout guy that is contributing, at least to some semblance of an extent. Obviously, we did see him rest tonight, but he will be back against his former team against the Pistons. That'll be pretty cool to, to watch that game, see him go against uh, his former squad. But you would rather just ha- take a shot at some of these views because yep. ultimately, they're better than Schumpet. They're better than... Um, Andre Roberson, they're better than those sort of dudes because yeah. these guys have been playing at least some semblance of NBA basketball in recent history this season. And, you know, they're not necessarily League performance. It's not like, you know, a Nick Stauskas or a Jeremy Lynn or these sort of guys who I think can, are still general, probably NBA caliber players. But I think these guys have at least seen NBA reps from them pretty consistently. And obviously, JaVale McGee is the guy we would love. You know, a, a, an Otto Porter, a, a J.J. Redick who seems likely. I, I think if, if you add J.J. Reddick and you add hypothetically JaVale McGee and they're all buyout candidates, then, you know, it's almost a full house if we're talking like card analogies again for sure, Marks.
2: Yeah, I agree, Jack. I think you'd be pretty happy if you ended up with J.J. Redick and Javel McGee. You know, I think Otto Porter is more of a pipe dream. Just in my head, I just don't understand why Chicago would buy him out unless he really, like, demands it. The only other thing I could think of is maybe there's a mystery player that does end up getting bought out that's part of a trade. Andre Iguodala would be somebody I'd consider. <laughs> you know, because of the salary matching for a Kyle Lowry trade or something along those lines. Or even if the Nets wanted to make a trade with Miami and they're like, okay, sweeten the deal and send us a pick. I'm not sure how many picks Miami has over there, but – there's a couple different options that we probably haven't really approached yet. You know, I even heard Bobby Marks bring this up. I want to say in the Woj podcast earlier this week, it was like Spencer doing it to Orlando for Evan Fournier. You know, you could get the contracts to work with like a TLC or a shaman in there. I mean, Evan Fournier to the Nets bench would be kind of crazy in terms of offense. I know he's not the biggest, most exciting name, but he's he's a very good player.
3: Yeah, him and along James Harden in the second unit I, I think you know he just is an automatic upgrade of you know your eighth and ninth band in the rotation you know to be honest he's better than Tyler Johnson he's better than TLC you know he might be the best player coming off the bench he'd be a six man if he had been playing off the bench all season I would have and Fournier alongside Jordan Clarks and Montrose Harold these sort of dudes as a six man of the year candidate he has that much talent he has that much offensive talent especially and look in, in Steve Nash's system and in Mike D'Antoni's sort of offensive system he'd fit pretty goddamn seamlessly and I I think that that's probably more likely than a Miami Heat. The only reason why is because I would be – I'll be wary as why a a, a team that's probably in championship contention like the Brooklyn Nets are, and like the Miami Heat are, would make a deal with an opposing team, especially in the same conference as well, so that's why an Orlando Magic, and that's why I'm I'm sort of thinking of of a 14, 15, and and, and the Western Conference as well, makes more sense just purely because of, and maybe you look back to, you know, Sean Marks' history with, with other teams, and you know, the, the Washington Wizards and teams that he's that he's made deals with before
2: here one of the teams Pat Riley yeah, yeah. definitely is a guy that would hold hold the grudge
3: Exactly. Uh, he's, he's a guy yeah. that's held the grudge, all right? We know what he's done with LeBron James and such. So it'll be fascinating to see how, how the chess pieces do move around because I think a lot of the the, the the moves and such will be made probably quite late. So hopefully this does remain a uh, decent content for, for those and we'll get it up nice and quickly like you always do, Nick. But it's going to be fascinating to see because it's an arms race. The trade deadline always is. Yep. The buyout candidates always are. And the Nets, like you've alluded to, Nick, they have those exceptions. The disabled player exception for been, the tax payment level exception uh, which they haven't used yet and that is money that can be used on these guys and that's why they will have their and when it comes to the buyouts especially their pick of the the litter to for lack of a better analogy
2: yeah and i mean if the nets make a move and they add somebody like you said it's an arms race and teams are already trying to catch up to brooklyn so i think that's what we're going to see over the course of the next not even 24 hours i don't even know at this point (laughs) it's about like 14 hours I think into the trade deadline when we're recording this so it'll be intriguing to see what happens and obviously we'll have you covered on the buzz either you know an emergency uh, recap of the trade or possibly you know some buyout stuff in the next recap episode but Jack anything else in the trade deadline before we talk about tonight's disaster Uh of a game (laughs)
3: It's Yeah, and look, it's, I think it's interesting that because a lot of the times that we've been doing this show for a couple of years now, the Nets have sort of been on the fringes of the conversation yeah. where it's like they're firmly yeah. cemented as the destination, as, you know, it's damn, it's the Lakers, it's Miami, it's the Sixers. Um, and it's it's fun having these conversations that we probably haven't had uh, since we've actually been starting to do this podcast.
2: Yeah, I mean, we I remember when I want to say it was maybe Marcus Morris who was a buyout candidate and the Nets had interest and they didn't get him and everyone's flipping out. And now it's like... Every single buyout candidate wants to come here, and the Nets are kind of like, eh, actually, we're not that interested in this guy. We're going to roll with Blake Griffin or whoever it might be. So it's nice to be in this spot.
3: Yeah, and I also do think that these guys, you know, Blake Griffin, PJ Tucker, Mo Harkless, whoever else it might be, they could swing a game or two. Like I sort yep. of alluded to it, and I, I sort or of. Yeah, or a quarter. I asked you the question in terms of like, P.J. Tucker, does he get some defensive stops on on James Harden or Kevin Durant? It's certainly possible. Does Blake Griffin give you a three here or there or or a quarter here or there like you alluded to where he gets you five or eight points that really do matter against a second unit like the Sixers in in the Eastern Conference Finals or against the Bucks or whoever else it might be? That's what you want, and it's the it's the, the on the margins that do matter when it comes to roster construction, when it comes to winning those championships. All those little things matter, and they add up to the big things. Which at the old, uh, at the end of the day is that Larry O'B.
2: Yeah, and obviously, Jack, injuries do happen too. You want to have yourself covered if you have to deal with something in the postseason, and having you know a thirteenth guy that actually can play playoff minutes matters.
3: And that's what we've said a lot about this Brooklyn Nets team, Nick. You know, we didn't necessarily think that was the case. And if they continue to add to it with JaVale McGee, with Andre Drummond, with JJ Redick, whoever else it is, if there's an injury here or there, like we saw tonight, obviously you're not going to have your three superstars out, you know, knock on wood, but you yeah. if you have rotation guys who might be injured, if it's a Landry Shammott, like who's injured his ankle and hopefully he's back sooner rather than later, or if it's any other guy who happens to get a niggle here or there and you have JJ Reddick waiting in the wings or you have uh, uh, JaVale McGee waiting in the wings as a backup center or whatever else it might be it just allows the net, it gives them so much wiggle room that a lot of other teams probably don't have the luxury of having
2: yeah, I agree, Jack. And even over the course of the rest of the regular season, getting guys rested. We already talked about the Nets having one of the easier schedules, especially in terms of just like the timing and playing the least amount of games. Now being able to rest your players and have them 100% where you're facing a team that's grinding out the rest of the season. I think they mentioned this in the Nets post game. Boston's playing like five games in seven days. Like that's something yeah. that's going to catch up to you later in the season.
3: And I think that's one thing, Nick. I'll I'll ask, I'll I'll frame the question that I sort of framed to you earlier about the postseason. Do you think that these buyout, these trade candidates, whoever else it might be, could have a greater impact in the regular season, especially with the condensed nature of it? And obviously the Brooklyn Nets are lucky enough to have a decent enough schedule. But do you think that the impact could be greater felt in the regular season? And then it allows you to rest your superstars and your superstars are fresher for the postseason. So it's almost just like both things are interrelated. But do you think that their impact could be felt greater in the last sort of 30 games or so?
2: I, I think so, Jack. I think it's just more likely. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to say the playoff rotation is set, but for the most part, I think Steve Nash is starting to come up with like, hey, this is the guy I can count on or this is what I'm leaning towards. And somebody would have to come in here and play really well over the rest of the regular season to earn that spot. You know, JaVel McGee would be a guy that maybe has an opportunity to do that. But again, he'd probably still play more minutes in the regular season. I think that'd be the case for almost anybody that they
3: signed buyout-wise
2: or even honestly trade for.
3: Yeah, we'll see. Nick, it's, Um, we'll we'll try and get this up as quick as possible. Hopefully uh, Woj doesn't drop a bomb after a pod like seems to happen every single goddamn time we record. So we'll try and smash this one out as quick as possible. But Nick, this game, Nicholas Claxton hit a three. That's all we need to talk about. Let's end this book on Buzz right now, ladies and gentlemen. That's well.
2: Yeah, obviously this was the worst loss of the season, Jack, to the Utah Jazz 118-88 no James Harden, no Kevin Durant, no Kyrie Irving, no Landry Shamet, no Spencer Dinwiddie. Obviously, Nets were pretty shorthanded in this one. Ended up pretty much resting Joe Harris. You no know, Jeff Green as well. Even DeAndre Jordan got some rest in this one. So I don't think there's a ton we can take away. Maybe the most entertaining part of the entire game, Jack, was we saw a lineup that featured DeAndre Jordan, Nick Claxton, and Reggie Perry. Like, we saw three centers play at the same time, and this is going from watching Kenny Atkinson, who essentially refused <laughs> to play two bigs for almost three years, right, Jack? Like, we saw Nick Claxton and DeAndre, I think, probably play 30 minutes together last season. Other than that, I can't recall many times in which Kenny Atkinson played two bigs. Steve Nash said, screw it, let me try three tonight.
3: Yeah, it was like the bubble, Nick, where it was just like, it was God's and then John yep. Allen. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> that was it. It, It's It's... It's a wonder how things have changed with this Brooklyn Nets team, in a lot of ways, including the the size of this team overall. Nick, let me throw a question at you. Out of the guys uh, outside of, who were the top three minute getters tonight for the Brooklyn Nets? It, obviously, you might have the box score in front of you, but if you don't, who are the I top do. three guys?
2: I mean, if I had to guess, I think Alizé Johnson played a lot of minutes. TLC felt like he was out there the whole game, and I felt like Bruce Brown didn't even rest in the second half.
3: Ding, 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 ding! You cheated on the test, but you still got it right. I, I,
2: 30, uh, oh, I, di- I didn't. I, I tried not to look. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: thirty-four minutes to Bruce Brown. TLC of thirty-four minutes, and we had uh, also Alize Johnson uh, playing. Probably did the, the net's best performance tonight with also thirty-three minutes for him. But Nick, should we just touch on Alize Johnson because it was his first yeah. game as a Brooklyn Net? Twenty-three points, fifteen boards, including five offensive boards, three assists, two steals. Great energy, great athleticism from this kid. Do you think that he can carve out a spot for himself in the rotation or do you think that, you know, he, he converts himself into a two-way or or some, like if they're, if the Nets don't get a wing, hypothetically, they don't get Mohawkless, they don't get uh, whoever else it might be, Otto Porter or Thaddeus Young, do you think Alizé Johnson could carve himself out a, a spot on this and in, in this roster for the Brooklyn Nets?
2: Yeah, I think it's a two-way player. I think it's a real possibility. I don't think there's much of a chance for him to sign a contract just given the Nets would prefer a veteran for the postseason, but he did impress, and I mean, I feel... Like, he'll end up getting another 10-day at the very least. Like, he showed great athleticism, and we talked to our guy, Corey Waldron, a little bit. Obviously, Alizé Johnson, former Pacer player, was drafted by the Pacers, and he told me he was very athletic, and that's something we saw tonight. Played with a lot of energy, had a nice inside shot. Obviously, only attempted one three-point shot, but you love the 15 rebounds, five offensive, and defensively, he looked like he had a couple good possessions out there. It's always really hard to gauge players in games like this because you never really know how much anyone is trying. But you know, a good showcase for him. I think he did everything in his power to kind of prove to NBA GMs and front offices, like, "Hey, I'm an NBA guy," or at least yeah, I have a chance him. to be.
3: Absolutely, good on him. And and look, you know, you get the opportunity, and and some people are, aren't able to to relish that and, and and produce when it does matter. But it speaks to him not only as a as a player, but as a as a as a person as well to be yeah. able to go, "I've got my opportunity now." I'm going to use these minutes, and, and, and yes, the game might not matter, and uh, ultimately it's a sort of rest game for the Brooklyn that's going forward, even though it was a national media game, funnily enough. But ultimately, you've got to just do what you've got to do. You're 33 minutes out there. If you had given me that Alizé Johnson would have over 20 points and over 10 rebounds and a couple of steals as well, I would have been absolutely shocked, Nick. And, and the fact that he was able to produce uh, to this high of an extent, look... Is he better than TLC? Do you think he deserves minutes of a Timothee de LaWalle You know, obviously it's one game. So
2: I'm not going to disrespect TLC that to that high of a level. But I mean, I wouldn't completely rule it out as a possibility. You know, I think maybe Sean Marks would probably prefer not to have either guy on the roster. Maybe he'd lean towards TLC just because he knows what he is, I guess, at this point. But again, another lackluster performance for uh, TLC again tonight. So I wouldn't rule out as a possibility, but I think it's still very unlikely Alizé Johnson signs an NBA contract with the Nets other than a two-way deal.
3: Yeah, uh, look, I I think that whether it's with the Brooklyn Nets or whether it's with with an opposing team, you know... uh, I I think an opposing
2: team would really consider him. I think he's going to get another 10-day from somebody and he could end up getting, you know, a a non-guaranteed deal or something. Like, he looks like an NBA player based off of tonight.
3: Yeah, if you're a Detroit Pistons, if you're a New York Knicks, or if you're a team that just needs some young wings in there and you just want to take a flyer on a guy, Alizé Johnson proved tonight that he can play NBA-level basketball against a team that has been one of the form teams of the NBA. But Nick, outside of Alizé Johnson and Nicholas Claxton's three ball, what were the takeaways from this game, if any?
2: Now, Reggie Perry's three ball looked pretty smooth in this one. I thought he had some good minutes out there. You know, Nick Claxton, I think, learned who Rudy Gobert was tonight, too. You know, uh, he tried to go at him a couple of times, and that's not your normal center. You know, he's a big dude out there. Jeff Green struggled a little bit, but obviously not going to take too much into that. Other than that, Jack, you know, Chris Chiosa's offensive game, which has already been a question mark, I think shooting 4-16, 9 from three, think that doesn't necessarily bode well for him and I don't know if you know they'd consider swapping out his two-way spot obviously he does give you that backup backup point guard but again with Kevin Durant being healthy you'd have Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Tyler Johnson as your ball handlers and you know Kevin Durant occasionally being that guy or maybe you want to bring in a vet point guard in one of those other spots too.
3: Yeah and Bruce Brown, Blake Griffin can yeah. handle the ball um, enough as well they can give point you Point Claxton <laughs> as well. <laughs> and Look, Point Claxton, it, look, it wouldn't surprise me if we do see some version of, of Point Claxton in some stage because this kid's special, and we'll see plenty of more special moments for him going forward. But uh, I guess overall, Nick, uh, I just wanted to sort of ask, Reggie Perry, do you think, what is the difference between Reggie Perry and some of the names that we sort of allude to earlier? Gorgi Chang LaMarcus Aldridge, these sort of guys. Do you think there is a discernible difference from them, and do you would you rather... You know, I guess, give up a roster spot now for those guys because Reggie's given us a little bit here and there. And I think I like the, the attitude that he showed in, in the G League um, uh, showcase as well. And he's come back and he, and he showed that he can play a, a continued NBA level minutes, was the only positive in plus minus and up with plus eight, 12 points, eight boards, two or four from three, four and nine from the field. What do you think? Do you think Reggie is an upgrade over those guys? Or do you think adding those vet presence uh, gives you more value to a championship contending team?
2: Yeah, I think just the fact that he's a rookie and they're vets and they a lot of them have playoff experience and he doesn't. And I think he still has moments where he looks purely like a rookie, where it's just like he could have a stretch in a postseason game that would just give you a headache and it it could honestly lose you a game maybe or lose you the quarter. So I think that's why you just don't want to have that type of sporadic play. You know, maybe potentially next season he could be up to that point. But I think right now he's just that young player that needs reps more than almost anything.
3: No definitely and look we've seen Nicholas Claxton you know do his uh, due diligence with, uh, with Long Island as well and we've seen what he's sort of turned himself yep. into Reggie Perry may not have the ceiling of of uh, Nicholas Claxton but you know we've obviously raved about that kid enough on this podcast but I think Reggie Perry has proven that he is an NBA player and I yep. said that you know early on uh, in his tenure as a Brooklyn Nets so whether it is as a with the, with the Brooklyn Nets franchise or elsewhere similar to A. Johnson or whether the Nets do keep him on as a sort of two-way dude continue to develop him uh, behind the scenes i think reggie perry has proven that he can contribute as an nba basketball and that is a massive credit to him as i've alluded to uh, on plenty of pods before to be the second last pick in the draft and to do what he does um it's a heap of credit to to the character of what he does and also a heap of credit to sean Marks uh, and the scouting team and the coaching staff behind the scenes
2: yeah and i think reggie perry one of the big aspects for him will be if he develops a three-point shot consistently if he adds that to his game you know you're looking at a long possibly a long nba career because he has a good body obviously doesn't necessarily have the length but he has the strength and the size and he has a pretty good touch inside and he looks comfortable kind of handling the ball on occasion too
3: yeah it's a point of differentiation that not not a lot of other, not a lot of other big men do have and, yep. and even Klax, i think if he's if his three ball starts to fall on a regular basis which i'm not necessarily totally 100% confident in at this point in time despite tonight's shot um, you know going in I just think that any big man that could shoot the three ball um, automatically it transforms your ceiling and, and your value to a team.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the three ball for Claxton is, you know, we know he's an NBA player. It's more so like that could determine if he's possibly going to be a star player, you know, or take that that other step because that's really the dynamic. And we're kind of almost seeing it with, you know, talking about the other team in New York, Julius Randle. You know, the development of his three ball has, necess- has really changed his game and where he fits in the NBA.
3: Definitely. And look, speaking of Claxon, Nick, he did add another name to the list. Jordan Clarkson is now on the list of, you know, really solid NBA players slash guards who think that they could take that dude off the dribble.
2: Yeah, I mean, Clarkson, one of the best six men in the league, probably won six men of the year and obviously can be pure offense. He did catch Clax later in this game on a, a fadeaway three, which just was a tough shot. So I still think Claxon played good defense. But like you said, Jack, you know, guards continue to attack him. He continues to have success.
3: When will they learn, Nick? When will they learn? (laughs) Hopefully never. They they just clearly haven't been to Clack City yet. They haven't been to Clack City. They haven't booked their tickets yet. Look, if you get vaccinated, you guys can come to Clack City as well. We'll all have have a lot of fun there. The population is ever increasing. It's a booming environment. Who doesn't want to go to Clack City right now?
2: Yeah. Blondes have more fun, Jack. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> <laughs> Duh, man, Iron Eagle, what a go. The, the Nets are so damn lucky to have RJ, Sarah Kustak, Michael Grady's, you know, doing play-by-play right now. The Yes Network, the the Nets are, are Bless. you know, just, blessed so many different reasons. Like, I will, and, and the fact that the Yes Network is broadcasting a lot of these games as well, I'm just so goddamn happy when, when they responded to me saying that they would be, uh, on Twitter, they would be broadcasting them. It's just like, yes, I don't have to listen to Mark Jackson or Jeff Van Gundy talk shit about whatever the heck it is that old yeah or complain about the fact that you're officiating or complain about just the old days 90s nba or whatever but insane that the nets are blessed in so many different reasons and hopefully sure marks continues to bless us with some moves uh coming up to the trade deadline in the buyout market
2: jack any big predictions for the trade deadline any instincts that you have
3: Ooh, I, I'm going to stick with my sort of four-team multi-team contender that I think the Brooklyn Nets are going to be a part of. I don't know who it is that they land in this sort of amalgamation of a trade, but I think the Nets are part of it. And I think they get at least a big or or a wing. In, in And I think JJ Redick, I think, is probably the easiest prediction to make. But to be a bit more outlandish, I think the Nets are going to be a part of some form of three or four-team, maybe even more, who knows, uh, big deal. Uh, and we get a Woj bomb that does feature the Brooklyn Nets.
2: Yeah, I agree, Jack. I think it's more likely we see that scenario just based off the teams that have had interest, but I will say I would consider Spencer doing gone. You know, I would say it's very likely that he won't be a Brooklyn Ned by the end of this week.
3: Yeah, and I think, look, we'll, we'll probably reflect upon it when it does happen, because there's still some semblance of a chance, like yep. you alluded to, Nick, that he could be a Brooklyn Net going forward for the rest of the season, um, and we won't have to sort of, you know, reflect on his tenure as a Brooklyn Net, but at least at this point in time, he is a Brooklyn Net. We love Spencer Dimony, even if he's not a Brooklyn Net, like Karis Avert, Jared Allen, Torian Prince, and all these other dudes, DeAngelo Russell. Um, we always have a big spot in our hearts for any any Brooklyn Nets players, anyone who's put on the black and white, but for now, Spencer's in the black and white. I'm going to be rooting for him left, right, and center, and if he's not, I'll of be for him as well but we'll wait and see Nick how it all pans out let's just hope that things do pan out for this book Brooklyn Nets team and they continue to get lucky because uh, they've gotten lucky a lot of the times uh, and sometimes you know you make your own luck and maybe the Nets start to continue making their own luck
2: yeah and a quick shout out to Karis LeVert had his best game as a pacer tonight ended up hitting a clutch bucket against the Pistons we love to see it obviously hopefully he gets his groove going but Jack always a pleasure and big thanks everybody for listening
0: Sugar Ray Leonard Roberto Duran marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns